You are listening to Motivating from the Six, episode 65. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. An interview with powerhouse spoken word artist and motivational speaker, Life. Let's go. Welcome back to Motivating from the Six. This is a podcast that is intended to change your life. It's intended to motivate you. It's intended to inspire you. It's intended to have you stand up in your circumstances and demand change for yourself. I am your host, Jeff Martin of jeffadmartin.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This one is a special, special episode. For all of you who have clicked play, for all of you who have downloaded, for all of you who have subscribed, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because I know that your time is extremely valuable. If you are on that treadmill, if you are climbing up the side of that mountain, if you are strolling down in the valley somewhere, I want to extend my gratitude to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, folks, is an instant classic. I can tell you that from off the hop. And by the time you get to the end of this episode, you're definitely going to agree with me. I have powerhouse spoken word artist life. This brother here is one of the most inspiring individuals I've heard when it comes to his backstory, when it comes to all the things that he's doing. And you know, it's funny, sometimes I feel like I'm doing so much and then I come across someone like life and I feel like I got to pick my game up. Like he makes me want to be a better individual. Listen to this episode and I guarantee you're going to feel the same. Do me a favor, please follow life on all his social media platforms at life speaks life life speaks life. Let's get right into this episode. Here is spoken word artist and motivational speaker life. Let's go. All right. And welcome back to motivating from the six. I got man. I got someone on this show who is just insane when it comes to the words. He is a wizard when it comes to wordology. My brother Life, how you doing today, sir? Peace, peace. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank everybody for tuning in, listening, or however you're getting information. We appreciate y'all being here. I'm blessed, man. All things are told move. And I got the ability to make something happen, so I'm good. Fabulous. So like I just talked about, you are a word wizard. And there's a number of things I want to talk about today in regards to the great things that you were doing. But for everybody to know, Life is a speaker. He is a mentor. He is a teacher. He is a creator. He is a, a, a content creator as well. Um, he is doing some fabulous things with the youth. And, you know, if you're looking for someone to inspire you, to motivate you, you got to tune into this brother's content. It's just fire. It really is. God, thank you. Man, again, this, it's, it's just amazing. So I, I just mentioned you are a poet. If you yes. wouldn't mind, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to hear a piece, let everybody hear a piece, and then we'll go into your background as well. But I, let, let's open with a piece. Okay, for sure. Uh, for every dreamer that's in the room, because the vast majority of the times I learn, as we get older, we stop dreaming. And then when we do dream, 
we forget there's a certain work ethic that goes along with the dream. So for every dream, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I, I dare you to dream. Mm. And then pursue the things that you want to do as if there's no plan B, there's no contingency for failure in here. So you can keep those weak cliches about blood, sweat, and tears unless you're fully prepared to put your nose to the grindstone where blood floods, nostrils, rips, cartilage, and you're left to the bare bones of this thing. And the only thing left standing is you, God, and your dreams. And he's asking, what are you going to do? This ain't go hard or go home. This is go harder. There ain't no home to go to. Ain't nothing sweet about dreaming. Can't sugarcoat it for you. So before you start talking to me about a dream, the question I need you to answer for me is, how much are you willing to go through to get it? See, a faith without work is dead, so are your dreams without commitment, time, dedication, and a sincere tenacity to go out there and get it, because ain't nobody going to give you nothing. There's no handouts here. No such thing as free lunches. So if you ain't prepared to put your hand to the plow and get it off the sweat of your brow, then you need not apply in a place where dreams rely on you to persevere. Ain't no fruit for your labor if you ain't prepared to toil in this field. Be clear. When you start talking about dream chasing, you got to move with an expectation of greatness. Ain't no sitting around waiting for things to happen. If it's going to happen, you're going to have to be the one that makes it, jumps in the fire, fight for what you want. Your dreams require you to take them. Listen, nobody's ever made it to their dreams by sleeping because in this battlefield where dreams lie, it's either you eat or be eaten and nobody else could dream for you, but you can bet the house on this. If you don't grind, you will not eat. Not here. Because around here, there's no such thing as free lunches. Woo! <laughs> Fire. That's what I'm talking about, man. Hey, listen, anyone who's tuning in right now, you got to turn this thing right up because my man is just, just, just spitting the knowledge right there. That was fire. Thank you so much for that. You'll appreciate it. Thank you. Like sometimes people, when they say you're a speaker and they really can't deal with that idiosyncrasy of the fact that I'm going to do poetry somewhere in this speech, somewhere a poem is liable to pop out. But that's just trying staying true to self and stand on your purpose and task. So this is just communication. So I appreciate you letting me share. Oh, man. Fabulous. You have been uh, doing poetry, obviously, for a while. You didn't just get up yesterday and start because you, you definitely got some skills right there. But you go back to, to what I understand, you grew up in South Carolina. Take me back to your upbringing and what brought you to where you are now, the, the artist life that is inspiring people all around the world. Oh, man. So... Small town, big city problems. I grew up in a shotgun house. You can look straight through the front door, straight out of the back door. We lived in what they call the junkie house on that side of town. So we were the poor people on the poor side of town. I mean, there were people who had less, but we definitely didn't have a lot. I mean, the kerosene heat in the front room, back room be on ice, it's cold and shivery. Uh, just everything you can imagine. No bottled water days, you drink out the spigot out the side of the house. But while my mother and my grandmother were double shifting before my mother put me out in the seventh grade, the whole block would watch out for you. So we was latchkey kids. So that thing where they said it takes a village to raise a child, it wasn't a cliche for me. It was actually the way that I was raised. In the seventh grade, my mother, after I caught my first little case in trial, uh, 12 years old, I caught my first little situation. By the time I was in the seventh grade, my mother couldn't afford us all to live in this two-bedroom house. So she sent me to live with my grandmother, never checked the report card, never bought clothes, never came to see. Like, it was just, now you're out here. My grandmother at the time was about 65, 70 years old. So a young, rambunctious young man from, from Conway, South Carolina, with a lot of heart and mouth and things to get into. Uh, she really didn't look over me in a way that was conducive to the full progression of me as a man. Then I had a mentor that came in in high school who was my, still to this day, if anybody hears me say my pops, 
He's my high school teacher. He still pops up here from South Carolina, living in North Carolina. A couple of weeks back, I'm like, I'm not going to be home. I'm at a show. He pops up at a show. And when he pulls up, he's like, son, you ain't cut your grass. I stopped by your house. I'm like, I'm 41 <laughs> years old, man. So this guy, he was he was so Joe Clarkian. Like, I mean, I would literally be in school, and he's looking down the hall and say, hey, son, the S on Superman's chest does not stand for stupid. And I'm like, yo. He hangs me in front of the class by the scruff. You ever been grabbed by the scruff? And he's like, yo, he didn't brush his uh, he didn't brush his hair, he ain't wash his face. He ain't wash his face, he ain't brush his teeth. He ain't brush his teeth, he ain't wash his hind parts. And he ain't say hind parts. But he's like, this is what you will not look like. Every day was a different jewel. It's like your presentation happened before your presentation. Mm. These are things that I, I started to understand as I got older. Like, oh, the S on Superman's chest does not stand for stupid. You can be regular for the rest of your life if you don't get any education about yourself. And it's not really scholastic education. It's education about the things that happen in the world outside of classrooms. So he made me culturally solid. He, he made me understand what spirituality was, not just go to church, but understand that the God above is the God within. So when I move in the earth, I have an expectation of greatness so I can make things happen. I was still plagued by everything that was around me though. I went into the Marine Corps for 21 years, 15 years of war, just to paint this picture. For 15 years that we studied war while I was in the Marine Corps, from my city, the brothers I grew up with, I had more people get murdered on my block than I've lost in any unit that I was in. Wow. So I'm only three and a half hours away from home where I'm stationed. So every time something happens, I can go right home. Uh, last night, yesterday, my uncle gets killed in my city by some by some guys we don't know. Five shots, kick the door and rob him, shoot up the house. So it's been a consistent in my life. So poetry came in as a way for me to be, I mean, you want to do the wrong thing. So it became therapy while I was in the Marine Corps to keep me from lashing out and spazzing out. My writing became therapeutic. And then from that, well, I rapped first and then poetry. And then it turned into speaking by me explaining where these things came from. So. I uh, grew up just like every other kid, I guess. I got uh, lost my virginity at like eight, was molested by some people that was older females, but it makes you a monster for real. Like, imagine getting introduced to any type of drug or anything at eight years old. So we've got the same problems that go on with any other child in the world. But I, I was kind of raised on a philosophy when my pops came in. He, he'd be like, don't tell me the baby ugly. Tell me what we're going to do with the ugly baby. Like, life hands you an ugly hand, you can't put it back. The baby come out ugly, you can't put it back in there. You better put a bib on it, slick the head down, put a bow on the top. You got to do something, dress it up. But the baby's here now, so what are we going to do with it? Mm. So all of those things coming from those places builds that vibrato and it builds that passion when I speak because it's really a situation where it's life and death for me. So, Wow, wow. Life, my condolences, man, about your uncle. That's, that's, I wasn't expecting that at all, of course. Neither were you, obviously. Um, oh, it's the weird thing to God be. I thank you for that. The weird thing is, is that other part, like from the military, they, they send you to a psychiatrist for PTSD when you go through war. My whole life has been war. Like the bad part is I'm callous. I'm counseling my other uncle about the situation. He's like, oh, nephew, you okay? I'm like, I don't have, in death, don't have a conversation. Like I've lost so many people. It doesn't have a sting to me no more. So it's become common, which is a dangerous place. But that helps me understand young people when I speak to them because they come from a war zone. You know what I mean? So when I speak, I carry that baggage. Mm. So. Mm. And we can relate in that sense because uh, back in 2005, I lost a cousin as well to gun violence. And that's really what catapulted me 
to this spot now where I've developed uh, myself to go out and try to make a difference within my community uh, with this podcast and with writing and, and speaking and such. So I definitely understand and can relate exactly where you're coming from. Now, you just talked about all of us having greatness. Now, you have a number of people who are coming from very tough circumstances. You just talked about the life that you've lived and where you've come from. And, you know, I just touched on losing my cousin. But I, I want you to answer this. There are people out there who are going through some real tough, real difficult circumstances, whether it be growing up in a very similar circumstance like yours, whether it be being diagnosed with cancer, whether it be going through a divorce. How does somebody find their greatness within them when they are struggling with the the, the, the issues in their life? I think it's all a matter of pers perspective of how you look at a thing. So like I said, my understanding where I come from and not just coming from my city, is understanding my spirituality in a different way. Like, I think people say things that they don't really grasp to. And it's what, whatever, every place I've been, the conversation is the same, whether I was chilling with five percenters, I was chilling with my Islamic brothers, or I was in Christianity. It's always a place where you're going to find that it's going to say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's right. So it means God is in. We, we were so accustomed to praying up, not realizing that God, the creator of the universe, is inside. So when I move, I have an expectation of greatness. I realize that any place that I look at problems in nature, something beautiful comes out of it. A butterfly, when it's in the cocoon, right? The only way the butterfly can fly is it has to fight its way out of the cocoon. That's the thing that makes the wing strong enough for the butterfly to fly. Mm. So if it doesn't have that struggle, if you cut it out early, the wings won't be developed enough for it to fly. So there's been little messages that's been left around the world. This is scientifically proven. The diamond is just a piece of coal without time and pressure and heat. So the more pressure and things that you go under, or you go through, it's developing you to go to your higher self. Now, let's, let's take that same butterfly, and this is for people that's listening. I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. The same butterfly in the same cocoon, and this is what the conversation I've been having as of late. If that butterfly doesn't fight its way out of the cocoon, if it decides to stay in that cocoon, that cocoon will become its coffin. The mm. cocoon was designed for transformation. If the butterfly gets cut out of the cocoon early, when it comes out, the wings aren't strong enough, it falls to the ground and it dies. What well, a cocoon represents a struggle. So for me, I always think about that. I have to fight my way through this struggle because there's a higher self that comes after this. I have to fight my way through the problems. I had to fight my way through racism and a wrinkle. I had to fight my way through not having a father there. I had to fight my way through one foot in the street and one foot in the core. I had to my way through trying to figure life out as I'm moving, but I always saw the fact that this is going to take me to the higher self. Now, if I don't fight, people that's in that struggle, a couple, and I know this will sound crazy, a couple weeks back, they thought I had Lucas, a couple months back. Next time, my wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing. She's like, life, did you hear? They said, you probably got Lucas, your ANAs are high. I was like, I heard them. Immediately, my mind goes to, okay, so how do I, how do I twist this on the stage? Is a, is a point in this. She's like, what do you mean? I said, well, there's an African proverb that says if there, there's no enemy inside, the enemy outside can't do nothing to you. That's right. I said, but now if I got lupus, that means if there's an enemy inside, the enemy outside definitely can't do nothing to me. That's right. And she's looking like, I'm talking about you dying and you're talking about a, a, a stage? I said, there's purpose. I go back to the book. There was a prophet. He had a, a thorn in his side. He's like, God, take the thorn off. I said, nah, my grace is sufficient. 
And I tell him, I just got to live with this thing. But back to that, there was a struggle. Turns out, didn't have it. Some people would have wallowed in that moment, like, oh, uh, I, I got this thing and, and it's going to kill me. And it's going to, you put yourself in the grave before it happens. So if you stay in that cocoon or in that struggle, you die there. Mm. Other people, let's watch what's going on around the country. Uh, oh, they're, they're screaming for people to re- say, oh, yeah, that is racism. Oh, yeah, the police is wrong. Uh, I understand. We, 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 we see what you're saying. They're waiting for somebody to cut them out of this. They're waiting for somebody to come save them from their struggle. But it doesn't happen. Now, if they do that, you will not be strong enough to sustain when you get out of the struggle. Mm. So we have to find the purpose inside the struggle. Whether it's good, bad, or ugly, indifferent, it doesn't matter. There's a purpose in the struggle. Every time I look at things now, it's not a cup that's half empty or half full. I can take a half, a cup that has half of the liquid in it, pour it in another cup, and the cup runneth over. Mm. In my mind, that, that means there's always somebody that's willing to trade places with me. If mm. I'm still standing on earth, there's always somebody that's willing to trade places with me. There's some Marine right now pinned down in a fighting hole will be willing. There's some, my nephew's doing 45 years in a federal He's willing to trade places with me. There's somebody dying on a deathbed right now. There's always somebody willing to trade places with me. So mm. I appreciate my struggle in the place that I'm in. Because all fingers and toes are moving. I got the ability to make something happen. I'm not going to wallow in it. We have to fight through our struggles so we fly to our higher selves. If you stay, you die. And if somebody cuts you out and pays your bills and gives you everything that you need, you never learn to walk. You only learn to walk well on crutches. Mm. So from Nature, I can see there's a message for me to get a, get out of the struggle. It's a purpose in that. Oh man, you you got me speechless, man. That was that was fantastic. <laughs> you, you hit the nail on the head. I just finished reading a book by Chris Gardner. You know, um, the movie uh, that Will Smith was in some time ago. His book called "Start Where You Are," and in his book, he talks about being at the airport and running into Muhammad Ali, and he sees Muhammad Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali has been his mentor for years just someone he's absolutely loved and looked up to so he runs up to muhammad ali and he's like oh i can't believe i met i finally got a chance to meet you and he says does anything scare you and he says muhammad ali turns to him and is like i have a disease that nobody has a cure for of course it scares me but i can't allow that to stop me from living my life and you just nailed that on the head with the analogy that you gave that butterfly analogy was just fire no, appreciate it. The guy appreciate that. Amazing. So when I go through your social media content, there's a couple of things I see that have changed. You're a little younger in some of your older videos. <laughs> you have a little less <laughs> grades. But the one thing that remains the same is, is the message. The village-minded TV that you always talk about. Village-minded, being village-minded. Take me through what village-minded means to you. And why is it so important for you to preach that message from the beginning? It's the answer. Let's, let's, and I did this on a, on a previous post uh, to talk about a cliche being raised by a village. There was a father, somebody else's father, when I talk about my pops in school, who stood in a gap for my father. He also stood in a gap for my mother. He showed me what success looked like. He showed me what a man looks like. He showed me understand spirituality, understand, understand it. And, and understand everything about myself to, to grasp knowledge of self. Without him, I wouldn't have had that. Mm. Without that village to take care of me, even though my mother put me out, sent me my grandmother, and she wasn't fully aware of the things that I wanted, but she gave me what I needed. She took me in. There was a village that took care of me. When I started studying 
how how important is a team? I was literally doing everything, striving to be this by myself, my whole life. But every point where I was stuck, it was like, yo, you're not gonna get through that by yourself. You're gonna have to have somebody to mentor you. You're gonna have somebody guide and direct you. So I always go back. I know this sounds crazy, biblically sound. Even with that, Jesus' only purpose was to get across to Calvary, right? That was his purpose. He was supposed to die, resurrect for the sin. On the way, he couldn't carry his cross. Another person had to come underneath it and help him carry it the rest of the way. It tells me we're gonna need help. When I went back to study, if I study the bones in your body, when you're born as an infant, it's 300 bones in your body. As you grow, the bones mend together. And then you only have 206 when you get older, but now the body is stronger. It can fight, it can defend itself, it can feed itself, it can walk and talk, it can feed others. Together in that unison, that's what makes it strong by mending. When I look at our communities, we have all the resources and answers but it never works out because we're one body. We don't get that. So we got a hand over here, a foot down the street, an eye over here, a nose over here, but mm -hmm. they never come together. It's never a Voltron situation. So we stay lost. There's a hand over there trying to do what the feet, eyes, nose, and ears does. But if we put that whole situation together, we can fix it. So every time I want people to understand, I am not life because... I did this on my own. There's no such thing as self-made. I do the things that I do for kids because my pops did it for me. He didn't have to. Right now, my mentee, who's affectionately like my son, is sitting right outside this door. Right now, my youth group, they, they don't pay for that building anymore. I teach entrepreneurship. If everybody's like, oh, they shut all the buildings down, they're not funding it. I'm like, my building can't close. My kids are in my house right now. Well, they just went to get something to eat. Half of my programs here right now, I'll get the boys tomorrow because I know the importance of us being together is the importance of standing in the gap. So when me, me saying Village Minor TV is when they see me, it's Jacuzzi J. Nichols, it's Lorenzo Bell, it's Kevin McCray, it's Rhodesia Brown, it's Philip, it's Big Phil, it's all of these people that died that are my brothers, they're my, my thought process say when they see Conway, I have to live for them. I have to live for a city that raised me. As I was raised by the village, once I got older, it's the responsibility of those latchkey kids to come back and take care of the village that took care of them. Mm. So I think our unity is the thing that'll make us strong. Absolutely. And without that, people see me winning now, but I'm like, my team's getting stronger. Message been the same. Ball face, Marine Corps, message been the same. I've communicated and motivated people. And like, so people's like, oh, you don't have a degree in this, that, and the third. I said, I was 21 years in the Marine Corps. I retired as a gunnery soldier. When you talk motivation, inspiration, when you talk effective communication, if I said something wrong, it wasn't, oh, they're going to boo me. Oh, they're not going to clap. Oh, they're not going to hire me again. Somebody's going to die. Mm. I don't motivate a Marine to do what we need them to do. Somebody is going to die. If I don't clear, concise, communicate, whatever order it is, that whatever's wrong with that airplane, if I don't communicate this the right way, somebody's going to die. When I came from the hood, if I said the wrong thing in the wrong place the wrong way, somebody could potentially die. Mm. It's, it's a different thing. It's a different responsibility when I speak because I have to think of those that's gonna be affected by my voice. Once again, you tune in the Village Minded TV. Welcome to a movement. Alone, I can make a move, but it takes that whole village for us to make a movement. And that's, that's what embodies Village Minded in my mind.
Absolutely. You just talked about the education piece and I know you got your PhD. I'll let you explain what that is in a minute, Uh, (laughs) but it's not even about, (laughs) sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Let's do that now. Explain what the PhD is. Kids love that. They're just like, Oh, you know, we got to go to college. So people ask me, I was like, yeah, I got a PhD. It's like, where have you been? I'm sitting in this room full of stuff right now. I like, I've been to Australia, spoke at the International World Conference of Human Rights. I put up the day where I was at Virginia Tech speaking to the basketball team. I've been to Japan speaking. I've been to all these universities. I did a commencement at Miller Mount. It's like, oh, you got a PhD? It's great. I said, yeah, plain high school diploma. It's like, what? I said, yeah, plain high school diploma. But what I do is I educate myself every day. The thing is, when they don't see the win, Except when you see a man diligent in his work, he'll stand amongst the kings. Mm. You cannot give me a degree in doing this thing. It's my gift. Mm. I'll learn myself. I don't need your degrees to get to where I'm going. You can't hire me or fire me. It's purpose attached to this thing. Mm. With this plain high school diploma, when I walk into a college, they're like, you've been around the world speaking. And I say, yeah, but imagine how much farther I got with a PhD. Imagine how much farther I could have gotten with a, with a college degree. So I'm not denouncing it, but I'm showing you what you can do without it. Mm-hmm. So imagine the doors that people, I have to fight through because I don't have, uh, what, what qualifies you to speak here? You, you, you've never even been to college. Well, let me, let me break down how your mind works. Let me tell you why introverted speakers who watch Eric Thomas, who's a genius, and he's an extroverted speaker staff, why it doesn't work for you. You can't imitate it because the endorphins in your body kick off a different way. Right. And it's not just a mood or a feeling. It's, it's really in your mind, your endorph- the one hemisphere of your brain is built totally different. There's more blood in your front lobe. You're going against the psychology of your body striving to speak a way that you should. Your chemical balance doesn't speak. Mm. And they're looking at me. I said, yeah, but I didn't go to college though, right? <laughs> mm. Playing high school diploma. That's I'm right. committed to this. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's in your DNA. And that's, I think, and everybody's born with that genius level talent. Everybody's born with a specific gift. But when you come to earth, somebody teaches you how to lose. So when you come to earth, somebody's teaching you like, oh, you know, you can't do that. A baby will do everything under the sun if you let them. Mm. Then somebody tells you, oh, no, you can't do that. And we start buying into it. Mm. And then death happens. (laughs) Absolutely. You just talked about educating yourself and one of the things that caught my attention with you is on instagram and your stories you were actually posting some of the the uh, speakers that you were studying and i was like okay because i saw some names that i've been looking at and so i'm like i also saw some name a lot of names that i didn't know and so i started watching some of those same videos and some of those same speakers i'm like this dude life knows what he's talking about right and so i think that's the first time i reached out to you and i was like yo you, you you know what you're talking about you got some 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 real talent number one, but just the, the, the other speakers you were looking at was really bringing um, new elements to the game. So when you talk about studying without being in school, I, I, you know, the story I just gave proves that fact that you've been doing that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think it's important. I think we owe it to the people that we speak to because the wrong step is their life is the collateral damage. People pay money to hear you speak. People are literally clinging on to the words that we say. Mm. We do them a disservice if we don't take the time with this gift to make sure that, let me make sure I'm putting the right information out. Let me say, not just putting the right information out, but the right tone. Mm. Let me make sure that when I give it, it's my genuine me. Let me make sure that I'm not stealing from another place and saying something that I don't apply in my own life. So I, I think it's important 
to that, that faith without work thing. I used to just do like, I got a gift, I'm good. I got a gift, I'm good, but faith without work is dead. My dream is the faith. That work part, you can't dream without no hustle. Mm. And you know, the truth of the matter is as well, is that when you speak, that could really be the last time that person, you can grab their attention. You don't know what they're about to go do. You don't know what's going on in their life. And every opportunity that I have, that I'm given a microphone, that I'm given, you know, I can put out a podcast episode, that I'm doing a social media uh, post, that might be the last time that person hears my voice. And so it's important for me that every single word that comes out of my mouth is chosen, is 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 guided, and it's in, it's meant to hit them as hard as, as, as it possibly can in a positive way. Because again, I just don't know if that's the last opportunity I'm going to have. If I'm out there and I'm talking, you know, I'm not making any sense, then I just wasted their time. And it's not even about trying to find people to follow you, but it's about trying to make the biggest impact at that moment with that individual. Absolutely correct. I've been teaching a training speakers. I'm not a coach. I, I, I train on David Shan's platform. I train speakers on the platform. And they're like, you go so hard. And I, and I, and I Got one quote that I always tell people, how do you know somebody's not going to be forced to live a nightmare because you're too scared to live your dreams? Mm. You're going there halfway, halfway doing your dream, and somebody's being forced to live a nightmare. Imagine that guy that invented the asthma pump. If he woke up that morning and was like, nah, I'm good. Mm. I ain't going to live my dream. I don't stray. Mm. He would be wheezing and dying right now. Mm. So I always think about that. You're right. Every opportunity to speak. And, and sometimes it gets me in trouble because if you notice, I, I might over answer a question. Like I'm poor. I want to pour out everything that I have in this small time. Like just take everything. I know it'll get filled back in later. I need space. And I, and I want to make sure that I'm edifying the people to the utmost of my ability at all times. So you definitely hit that on the head. Amazing. Amazing. One of the things I, I see you post quite often, you just talked about training the kids. And I think you said you have some of them with you right now at your house. You have this program called the Yale program, the Young Entrepreneur Learning Lab. Tell me about yes. this. So a beautiful situation. I believe that poverty is the common denominator to a lot of problems. And entrepreneurship is one of the beautiful things that doesn't have an age limit. You can, it's young millionaires. I think they're when I go and my building is strategically located between one project in New Bern and the other project. Like I'm literally on the street between two projects, uh, Trent Court and Craven Terrace. So the kids can walk to the building. What I've learned is these kids are taking penitentiary and casket chances every single day. Mm. But the hustler is like the ultimate mentor. He's telling you how to weigh the bet first before you put any work on the scale. Make sure you weigh the bags, you know, and then you zero the bet. Then you zero that out. And then if you need to get more, you sell it wet. And then let me see. We're going to stand on the block. Now watch how that guy moves. That's probably not the person that's from around here. So that mentorship that's happening, they're learning and they're being mentored, right? So when I put the Youth Entrepreneur Learning Lab there, I'm teaching entrepreneurship, but I'm using the same principles of entrepreneurship to also teach character teaching the kids that you're the product and the t-shirt or whatever it is that you create is just a byproduct of you. So you're your brand, your character matters. The quality of who you are drives the price that you can charge. So it's not just teaching entrepreneurship, it's really instilling in them who they are and what fabric that they are cut from. So I teach entrepreneurship. I also teach character development simultaneously. 
and, and more, more, more knots than nope, they're getting more character development than entrepreneurship. But the kids love it. They come by themselves. They walk themselves there. They're mm -hmm. in my house, like having a field day for the last two days. Uh, but they're brilliant kids. They're like five quotes in. They literally know five quotes verbatim. They know how to break each quote down. They know who wrote the quote. What is the most important word in the quote? 13th Amendment. They can break it down to a grown person and blow their minds on why this is important. Why is accept this word and why is slavery still here? So we're teaching so much in that building um, that entrepreneurship is just a, a given. So once they learn how to make their own money, changes the game. I, I'm gonna teach you how to fish. You don't have to beg a fish. My mentee who's sitting, Ali. He's probably in my room making shirts right now. He he raps. He's never worked for anybody. His father's an entrepreneur. Ali. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's right here. So bring, so bring him on. Bring him on. Bring him on. Oh, come come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so he's eight years we've been together. You can just push it over. So so eight years we've been together. He knows how to make his own money. He's a geek. Let's see if you can get in here. We're actually in the booth that he used to rap in right now. So. Okay. <laughs> you can sit on that right there. So for eight years, he's like, he is the birth of the company Village Minded, to be honest, right? So okay. for eight years, peace, peace. just turned 21, for eight years, loyal, just following to plan. He goes to college, didn't want to go. He was in the street, like all kind of stuff. He's in he's in his senior year right now, right? With wizard though, super smart. Anyway, so as a semester comes, he they mess up his financial aid. He has his first CD. He's like, uh, they messed up my financial aid. It's three thousand dollars down. I'm like, yo, you got CD, you got product, move it. He sells three thousand dollars worth of CDs hand to hand. Man. Off of principles. This works. Right now, he's here to make shirts off of that last post with the wind. And everybody's like, oh, you should make this a shirt. He's here to make the shirts. He's like, necessary. whatever's necessary. Mm. He's going to come. Right now, he's got to make $800 by Friday. He came here to make the shirt that wasn't going to be a shirt. He sees in the comments, he's going to make the shirt, sell the shirt, put his, buy his new apartment. Never worked for anybody in his life. So I was going to ask you to tell me about a success story, but we got Ali right here. Ali, let me know, how's, how has the Yell program affected your life? That's, that's funny because I used to be in those kids' seats. Like, I, I know I can relate to them. I can talk to them. I can tell them what to do simply because I was in their seat before. And I, we go, I'm in college, so I can see this stuff firsthand. People teach entrepreneurship, and they don't, they don't own the school. Like you're teaching at ECU about being an entrepreneur, but you work for the school. So, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's something wrong with that. <laughs> I take it back. There's something wrong with that when you're teaching something that you you can't even do firsthand. So I was able to flip a, flip a hustle a whole nother way just so I could have it. And just so I, I did a hustle another way, just so I could say, no, that's not the right way. Or somebody could tell me, no, that's not the right way. Then I can see, ah, uh, now I know how it's going to affect kids firsthand because I know that they're being influenced outside outside of the yell. They're being influenced by it. So now I get to see it firsthand, and now they can relate to what I'm saying 
easier because I'm probably closer in that age. Like I'm 21 years old and they're 14. So mm-hmm. uh, that it, it affects me because I get to see it affects me because it affects them and I get I get to see it firsthand. Mm-hmm. So he does go to the yeah. Ali is pre like he is one third of the foundation of Village Mind. He teaches at the year. Okay. Oh, he been coming there like as in school. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. So he's he's the first. He's the he's the case study for Village Minded for real. Like okay. my pops did it to me. I needed to see if I could reproduce this. Like if you could reproduce it, it's real. Right. So he did it for me. So I'm the byproduct of his teaching. Now his father's amazing, but there's other things that go along with creating a whole man, right? Absolutely. So I'm watching how successful he is, how he, he just has that whatever's necessary mentality mm-hmm. and he's going to go get it. So I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. He's a genius. We're driving to Atlanta. Ali's in the car reading a book. We got about 500 books on the other side of this, this wall right here. Ali's going to read them before anybody. He's in the car reading books. He's feeding himself the knowledge. But at the same time, he was in the street first. Mm-hmm. Rapping in his gift took him out of the street. Right. And that's what I use this bait to bring in, right? But now it's it's just amazing. I don't have to be at the yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'm not there, Ali's there. I don't even have to go. So then I said, okay, you're a leader on the outside of the Marine Corps now because you can create a leader. And now I watch them mimic the way he he moves. So I'm like, oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> so maybe either you can answer this for me. So watching one of the videos on your social media life, you have the kids recite something. They recite rule number one, rule number two, the four Ps, and then they go into a quote, my favorite quote by Nelson Mandela that just blows my socks off every time I read it. When I heard the video and I heard these kids reciting it, it just, it builds something up in me, man, because it's like seeing these kids being filled with something that they're just going to go out into the world and just reproduce and just, just do amazing things. And it's happening under your watch, which is fabulous. Tell me about rule number one, rule number two, the four P's in this quote. So rule number one, it's not impossible, it's impossible. So everywhere I've been, everywhere, even to this day, we were just having this conversation about the closest people to us. Even my wife, who changed her name because she heard me speak. She ran me down, stalked me from place to place after that, hired me to train our daughter on how to speak. She hired me as a coach. She baited me in off of speaking. When I got off out of the Marine Corps, she's like, Yo, you can go make $30 an hour working on airplanes. I was like, no, I'm going to do my purpose for the rest of my life. And she looked at me, and she was saying, uh, you, need, you need to go get a real job. I'm like, a real job? Life is impossible. Like, how are you going to get in these doors? And I start to laugh. I said, okay, I want you to spell impossible. What's the first letter I? What's the second letter M? What's the rest of the word? Possible. Be back to perception. When y'all say it's impossible, I see I'm possible. And that's what I'm putting in the kids who come from these two projects, who everything around them is saying, yeah, you can't do that. There's no way y'all going to be able to make your own money. Anybody going to buy your T-shirt? How you going to sell a T-shirt? That's impossible. Coming from those projects, that's all they hear is it's impossible. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. And if I we embed this in their mind, it's not impossible. It's I'm possible. It could be impossible for everybody else in here, but I'm possible. So that's rule number one. Then rule number two is is if you don't cry, you don't eat. <laughs> so in, in a world where everybody's convincing people you could do nothing and get something, right. think about it. Baseball games, the losing team gets trophies too. Yeah. And in school, no child left behind. If you fail. 
they push you through and you get the same exact diploma as a person who got straight A's gets. But when you go to your job and you try to apply that same principle, ain't gonna work, you gonna get fired. Mm -hmm. Watch how reality hits. So they're setting our kids up for failure. Mm -hmm. So around here is, I remember in government and economics, the only thing I can remember from high school, <laughs> and they had this acronym, TINSTIFLE. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Somewhere down the line, somebody's paying for it. So the kids understand, like, if you don't grind, you do not eat. But it started with Ali right in this booth before it was all made nice. Ali would come in here. We had a makeshift booth, and he would be rapping. No air conditioning, no water. Middle of the summer, he is pouring sweat. Like, can I get some water? You ain't did nothing for no water. Uh, yo, yo, can, can, I, can, I, can I get some air? You, you ain't did nothing for no air. Fast forward eight years later, he was in the studio the other day in Legion of Music. My guy makes beats for Rick Ross and a lot of other people, right? He's in the booth. There's other people recording in other sessions. He's rapping, not one verse. He's rapping the full song, the hook. He's changing his tones. He's going all the way through. People start coming in the room. He is speaking so fast and dropping knowledge when he's rapping. Mm. And they said, where did you train this dude? Literally, verbatim, and I quote, are you training him underwater? <laughs> How is he doing that? He comes out, tells them the same story about this booth. He realized if he didn't grind, there was no water. Even to this day, if he goes in the booth and he messes up, if I go on the stage and I mess up, we don't eat good today. We're going to go get McDonald's, iced tea, some fries. Maybe and maybe an apple pie. That's the meal. Because mm. if you don't grind, you don't eat. These kids have to understand if you want anything in the world, you're going to work for it. Mm. And then we go into the entrepreneurship part. So th that's building character. So when you go to the four, four P's of marketing, um, product, price, placement, and promotion, that's how you market a product. I take the same thing and say, okay, now you're the product. What drives the price of a product? Oh, well, the quality of your shirt. Okay, so what, what qualities do you have that makes you worth something? What does your character say? What does your integrity say? What do people say when they say your name? What qualities are attached to you? So you're the product. Your price is your worth. Your placement. Now, I'm going to go every place that you're placed. Open up your social media. All of my kids, all of our kids, I have your social media. I'm checking. We're hitting you. We, we have a group DM. Like, listen, you, you're the product. We know that you're placed here on IG. Question is, what are you promoting now? Right. If you half naked on the sink, what are you promoting? If you twisting your fingers up, what are you promoting? You're the product. So if your your promotion is bad, your product suffers, your worth drops. So we take the principles of entrepreneurship and then we teach them that way. So rule that's rule number one, rule number two, product, price, placement, and promotion. And that quote that um Nelson Mandela got from Marianne Williamson which is super dope. This embodied, that quote, we taught a whole school year off that quote to more privileged kids, right? They learned that one quote over here with more privileged kids. These kids are like, Mr. Life, this ain't enough. We need to learn a quote. We didn't start off to give them a quote a month. Mm -hmm. The kids are like, no, we need, a, we need another quote. When everybody else's building shut down, these kids are like, we can't shut down, Mr. Life. I promise we're going to get in trouble now. Mm -hmm. So we ain't shut the building. And then it's our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We break down week after week each one of these sentences. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. It, we don't believe we can't do it. I've already asked you, can you sing? Yeah, I can sing. Will you sing? No. 
or our deepest fears that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. So the problem is, when a kid is goofing off and being loud and being disruptive, you're super loud. I give you a book and say, read it out loud. What happens? You get quiet. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We go all the way through this poem to the end, to this quote to the end, and apply it to their lives. And they have to be able to say it back. Mm. So that's the character development aspect of it. I can run the quote if you need me to, if you, for the people, if you, if you need me to. You know what? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Our deepest fear is not that we're not. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. As we let, we're born to make manifest the glory of God that's within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Mm. You know, that quote there, it feels like every single word was purposely placed. And I love the fact that you use this with your students because that's the way I feel every time I hear you speak. I feel like every word is purposely placed Again, um, again, as I talked about, we never know someone who's listening if they're ever going to hear us again, and so that's why I think the way you speak, and again, going back to this quote, is so important because every word is placed in the proper place to make everything come together. And again, the way you speak, the way you come across when you're speaking on stage, you're doing the exact same thing. So I just applaud you for that, and I love the work that you're doing. To God be appreciated, King. Absolutely. Ali, I'm going to have to have you come back on one day and uh, be a guest on this this podcast because uh, I'd love to hear you a bit. Uh, but, but life, a couple of things I want to I want to uh, put you through real quick. But before we do that, I'd love to get one more piece, if I could, uh, from you. Indeed. So uh, right now, since I have the girls in the house, there, there's so many things that's telling our females what they should be. Today, we had a conversation at lunch. And, and they're, they're young, but they're, you're in the hood. You're, you're developing super fast. You're having boyfriends and these things. We're having real life conversations. And the question I asked them, because they're talking about boys, I'm like, what, what is the qualities you look for in a boy? The young lady says, I'm like, okay, tell me, Queen. She says, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm striving to find a guy, because I don't like them to say trying. I'm striving to find a guy. And what I look for in him is, um, you know, he got to be kind of, first he said personality. I said, it doesn't tell me anything. What kind of personality? You know, he got to be not ghetto, but he got to be a little hood. And I said, what is a little hood? She said, well, you know, he's been through some things in his life. And, and you know, this is, she's 12, well, no, 13, 14, India. So she's oh, 13, 14. And she's going, you know, he has to be through some things. And, and you know, people didn't really love him. So I, I need to help him learn how to love. And she says, I need to be over him so I can help him love. I want him to be a little jealous, but not too much. I want him to only want me and, and, and check me about things, but mm -hmm. he doesn't really know how to love yet. So I want to, I have to be there to help him get to where he's going. Mm -hmm. And though it sounded beautiful in one regard, I asked a very simple question. I said, y'all love that iPhone. What if you got an iPhone that didn't have an Apple on it? Would you, would you buy that iPhone? 
what if we the leaders that you have on when it came in the box one of the stripes was off would you buy the Adidas? If you if I gave you a car and said there was no steering wheel, but you can buy the car at full price, it's got some problems. You can buy the car at full price for the full price. I said, the thing is, you're buying, it's like, I won't buy none of that. I said, but you were looking for, not falling in love with me, he's broken. You're literally looking for a broken man. You're looking for a broken young man. And what this comes from is, it's the training of generation after generation after generation. And I have daughters. So even with my daughters who grew up a little different, uh, they, they say these things, oh, they say you think you're better than somebody that, oh, people say we think we're better than somebody, which I don't have a problem. I, I strive every day to win. I strive to win. I strive to be the greatest at whatever I do. So the third time I heard them, uh, for these young ladies, I, I wrote this poem for my daughter and I realized it resonates with so many other women. So I said, um, after the third time they're saying it, my youngest daughter says, my mama said, you think you're better than somebody? I said, nah, I don't think that I'm better than nobody, but it does bother me when people are bothering me trying to be better. It's like somewhere in society, we decided it's all right to be lesser, but it's a problem anytime you're trying to get your life together. So I'd be like, whatever. Hi, haters. Hi, haters. I'm going to love you regardless. See, it ain't for me to harbor no hatred. Knowing that I was created by the father of creation, that's why I don't have a problem looking at my daughter's faces and telling them that you are destined for greatness. Don't strive to meet, strive to exceed expectations. You ain't got to keep pace with nobody. Go harder. Don't answer to every name that a man calls you. And if a man says you're beautiful, tell him thank you. But know that you heard it first from your father, so you ain't need nobody else to tell you. In this life, there will be losses. But long as you learn from your losses, you're not a failure. Don't buy what the TV sells you. You're not made by the cloth you put on. What makes you is love and the respect in this cloth that you are cut from. You're beautiful beyond measure, from your complexion to your hair texture. Study to show yourself approved. Choose to be an intellectual. Articulate when you speak. Don't denounce your education. Overstand the misunderstanding. There's no such thing as talking Caucasian. You love what your race is. Without being a racist, you hold your head up when you speak. Look people directly in their faces. Respect yourself and your elders. Learn to stay away from trauma. Know you can be somebody's wife before you're somebody's baby's mama. Honor your mother and your father. Even though you know neither's perfect, you love them anyway. And just know that God is working. You're not worthless. You have a purpose. I love you. Know what your worth is. You're more than a hairdo. High heel pumps and nice purses. You give until it hurts to get down on your knees and pray. Knowing they talked about Jesus, you'll worry about what these people say. But the next time they ask you, think you're better than somebody, you look them directly in their face and say, yes, I'm a better me today than I was yesterday. Mm. Mm. Go ahead with that. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I'm talking about, man. Yeah, yeah. Every time you talk, man, every time you speak, the words are just a blessing. Every word that comes out is just a blessing. Man, that's yeah, man, that. That's a lot of work and effort, and that's not an overnight thing. You you've you've been blessed with a gift, sir. You definitely have yes, it. Sir. Absolutely. To the most uh, definitely. I, I got two questions for you. This one I've stolen from Oprah. <laughs> uh, the billion dollar questioner. <laughs> Absolutely. Life, what is it that you know for sure? What do you know for sure? I think one of the most important things that I know for absolute certain that the God above is the God within. It's hard for people to understand. It's, it's, it's the most powerful statement next to when they asked who he was, he said, I am. 
I realized the most powerful statement I can say is whatever I say after I, because the God above is the God within. I'm doing this, we're doing this with no training. We're running a whole, we have our own school with no degree. I get unreasonable amounts of money with no college degree in communications. I'm teaching people the principles of speaking with no formal education. I am just got hired to be in California, no formal education. I was in Japan off of a backpack full of poems. One show that turned into five. I'm at the International World Conference of Human Rights with Angela Davis. Everybody else has a doctorate. That's where I developed that PhD playing high school diploma. I'm in Australia speaking at a college. I am sitting at a commencement speech, giving the commencement speech to people with doctorates. And they're like, how did you get here? I believe when I walk into the room, it's not me. It's the presence of God that you feel. It scares people. The one thing I know for sure, and the one thing I know for certain, if the pastor would tell people, if the imam would tell people, if the 5% chief would tell people, if the leader would tell people, the God above is the God within. Stop waiting for you, to, it's somebody else to make it happen for you. You was created out of dust and the words out of somebody's mouth. Do you understand how powerful that is? I walk with the authority of God. There's no, that's one thing I know for sure. It's not life. I, I'm imperfect, but the gift was made perfect. The giver is the greater one. There's nothing that'll stop me in the world. Not a disease, not a bullet, not a nothing. When I die, if I, I don't even want a tombstone, but if my wife is probably gonna get it anyway, I just want dot, dot, dot on my tombstone. Meaning there will be an influence until the end of time. Whatever I pour into him, he's gonna pour in the next generation and the next generation will pour into the next generation. Why? Because that's a God thing. So that's one thing I know for sure. And nobody could ever knock me off the square. It hurts me that people get offended when I'm like, nah, like if I say peace, God, like how are you doing? Like, but you ain't got offended if I called you a nigga. Calling mm -hmm. you what you are. Mm -hmm. So the one thing I know for certain is we pray too much that way without it coming back to connect this way. So that's the mm -hmm. one thing I know for sure. Mm -hmm. Powerful, powerful. Hearing you speak, man, it makes me better and it makes me, you know, just want to push forward to make the biggest influence I can. So again, I want to thank you for that. The last thing I want to ask you, and I think you almost, you almost kind of covered it in that last piece there, but you have your Yelp program and you are, uh, you know, inspiring kids in your neighborhood. However, there are a ton of kids out there who are not hearing you, who are not, they've never heard of you. And this is your opportunity right now. If there's somebody who's listening, who needs to hear the words that you're talking about right now, I want to give you about one minute to close out this show and to speak words of life into that individual right now. First and foremost thing is to realize that you are the creator or the destroyer of your own dreams. You create heaven on earth because God resides inside of you. Rule number one, it's not impossible. I'm proof that it's not impossible. There is nothing other than the fact that I don't understand loss. Not when I know that even in the word it says, did not I tell you ye are gods, all children of the most high God. Whatever you believe in is what you believe. Whatever person you pray to, cool, but an apple will only fall from the apple tree. When you walk into a room and the world is telling you it's impossible, you cannot stop. You can't be stopped if you say, I'm possible. 
most powerful statement in the world is whatever you say after I. Wherever you are, whatever place that you're in, that butterfly story, if you hold tight to that, if you want to fly to your higher self, don't get discouraged by a struggle. Know that that's just you fighting out of the cocoon. And that's the thing that's going to get you to your highest level. Reverence the most high in whatever you do, but understand he lives in you. That spirit lives in you. It's not an energy, it's an energy. It's an inner God when people hear me speak. It's not my energy. That's what the world is trying to fool us into. But if you get EOG mixed up with ego, you start working for the inner me. Uh, like we said in the hood, the enemy. <laughs> so just make sure that you're moving on purpose and in purpose. Don't worry about the money. The money comes last. Respect first, then power, and then the money will follow you for the rest of your days. So, and if you need me, like the same way we linked up. And I, and I love when people hit me in the DM because some people are like, oh, you really hit me back. I'm like, fam, I'm not just a weirdo move not to hit you back. Like, we're real people. I don't live in the matrix, but from this matrix of social media, and this is the last thing I'm gonna say, I want them to watch the three series of the matrix, Neo, the one, the first movie, didn't believe he was the one. The end of the second movie, he comes out of the matrix. He said, yo, I feel kind of different. The Sentinels are coming up in real life now. He's like, wait a minute. Raised his hand, the Sentinels dropped in the real world. The third movie, Neo realized he was the one because what he was faking in, in, in the fake matrix, the social media, the fake matrix, what he could do there is computer stuff. But when he realized if I take it outside of the matrix and do it in real life, I'm really the one. Don't get caught up in the matrix. Fabulous. That's what Life said. Y'all listen to him. And I'll see you at the top of the next episode. Peace. Thank you for having me, brother. Brother, oh man, you. <laughs> I, I mean every word I said, man. You definitely.